grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. The idea of turn the other cheek. It's pretty popular in Christianity. It's something that we've all heard, right? You actually even hear it a bit in popular culture. It's, it's something that Jesus advises us to do, tells us to do. It's what all Christians should do, turn the other cheek. It's good advice for all people, unless you're a boxer <laughs> or an attorney um, or a security guard or like a wartime general. Um, in fact, there's like kind of a whole classification of people that it seems like that might be a bad idea, this whole concept of, of turn the other cheek. The trouble is, uh, Jesus doesn't give those exceptions. He just says, this is what you who follow me should do. And it, we hit then on the crux of this, this tension that exists uh, between the way of the world and the way of God. The way Jesus tells us to live, something that we've kind of been looking at over the past couple weeks as we look at Luke, some of these difficult teachings that he has. And today's teaching is one of those, and it actually kind of really gets down to the, the basics of it. It's actually quite easy to teach, but it's very difficult for us to live out. So before we get into that, let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this chance that we get to come together and worship you. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to worship you, that we'd be able to let the world melt away all the distractions, all the chaos of what's around us, that we would be present in your sanctuary, that you would focus us on you. And Lord, I thank you that I can, I can share your message, and I pray that it is your message. Move me out of the way. This is not about me, and I pray that it's not even from me. I trust that your Holy Spirit will speak here. I submit myself to you, Lord, and I pray that all will be willing to do the same, that your truth, your love, your power would be proclaimed through your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. Special welcome to those of you joining online. It is great to have you. If you are joining us live on Sunday morning via Facebook, please go ahead and hit share, and that way people can join us. Um, when it comes to like dinner parties and maybe going and having a meal with a whole big group of people, you know that where you sit really makes or breaks the whole thing, right? Have you ever been to like a birthday party or a graduation party or something like that? And it's, maybe it's at a restaurant and you get there and they're like, oh, it's, it, we got a special room for you guys in the back. And you go and walk past all the normal people and you peek in the room and there's just like one big long table. And you know like where I sit on this table is going to make or break this whole thing. Because if you end up at the very far end, that's who you're talking to. That's it, right? Or worse for me with ADHD, sitting in the middle, it drives me crazy because there's like two different conversations going on. I'm like, what? Huh? What are you talking about over here? And I'm trying to bounce between them, right? Um, it really can make, I'll never forget this. It was like my second or third week and I was serving at a church in Florida. And the whole congregation, it was a very small congregation, very tight-knit. They were like, hey, we're all going to brunch afterwards. Would you like to join us? I said, I, you know, get to know you guys, sure. I didn't realize the brunch was like 20 minutes away, and I, of course, got lost along the way, so I got there late. I ended up being one of the last people to arrive, which meant that there were only a couple spots open. So I grabbed one, it was kind of at the end of the table. What I didn't realize is that the couple sitting across from me were part of our deaf ministry. 
I've talked before about our deaf ministry that we had there and some of the challenges with that, but I tell you, sitting in a noisy restaurant with the only people to talk to sitting across from being deaf people was quite a challenge in that situation. Partly because it was noisy, so I couldn't hear, but they're used to that, so they were able to read my lips. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. See, where you sit can make or break an entire meal experience. That's what we see in today's gospel reading. Jesus addresses the seating arrangements. But for him, what he's talking about is the idea of status. It's not just, you know, your social, who you're sitting by, who's got the best stories, and who can you listen to. It's about the status idea. Because there is this kind of hierarchy, right? The host has his seat at the head of the table. And typically, those who were closest to them, the ones who had the most prestige, would be there, right next to the host, at his right or left hand. We see this, by the way, when James and John go to Jesus, and what do they request? To sit at his right and his left when he goes on to the kingdom, right? And so they're saying, we want the seats of power. We want the the seats of authority. We want significant roles. And so for Jesus, he's at this meal with one of the leaders of the Pharisees, um, which would have made sense, right? We kind of hear that now. We're like, that's weird that he would be eating with them. But they were the religious leaders of the day, and he was kind of a religious figure, so it makes sense. And, of course, them being Pharisees, they were very concerned about having all the right muckety-mucks there and everything. You know, I had the, the right people sitting there. So uh, Jesus points out, um, as he observes, as everybody kind of sits down and, and jockeys for the good seat, he says, I'm going to tell you guys a parable. And i got to tell you, like, from our perspective, it's not a very good parable like it's, it's pretty much the exact situation right like you had to figure the people sitting there like uh you just change it to a wedding feast everything else is exactly the same this is kind of insulting to us and jesus is like well it's a parable i don't know whatever you want to make out of it right so what he says is when you get to the table at this wedding feast if you place yourself at the seat of honor this this high powerful position right to this to the next to the host Don't do that, because if somebody else shows up who is more important than you, not only are you going to get bumped down, but everybody else is already seated, right? So what's going to happen to you? you got to go like the kids' table over in the other room, that little like folding card table, and you're sitting there, and you're like, there's mashed potatoes everywhere. It's a whole mess over there. And you're going, well, I I was there. At least I could have been here, right? I I could have been at the, the right table. So what he says is start with humility, Start in the position that is lower, and then if it's earned, if there is some sort of connection with the host, he'll tell you, no, 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 buddy, move down, move down, come come sit by me, right? I love the fact that Jesus recognizes how difficult humility is, that he doesn't even, he has to kind of hedge the whole situation. He doesn't say, you should sit at the more humble spot, because that's the right thing to do. Instead, he kind of has to lean into their shame, He has to lean into like, well, if you do this, you might be super embarrassed, so you probably shouldn't, right? Because it's Jesus. He should just be able to say, it's good to sit in the humble seat, period, full stop. Just sit there, right? But he knows that people have this issue with humility, with arrogance, with pride, with the world. Because that's the thing when it comes to Jesus. We should have seen this idea coming. Because as we look through his life, through his ministry, we see humility time and time and time again. Because see, from our worldly perspective, where we, we value status, 
We value authority. We value our reputation and, and popularity. Jesus turns that on his head constantly. When we want our Messiah to be a king, to sit in the nice big throne and be powerful, he's born in a barn. When we want our Messiah to be a political leader who has influence and and is fighting for us in the courts of law, he's wandering the countryside. When we want our Messiah to be a warrior who will take up arms to defend us, fight on our behalf, he submits to a shame of a trial and then to death through public execution. See, everything that we think we want because of the world's expectation, Jesus turns it on his head. It didn't start with Jesus. If you look through what we call the Old Testament, they would have considered just scripture, the the story of God and his people. You see God constantly using people who are like shepherds and orphans and prostitutes. And, And that's who he raises up to create this pathway for God and the people of his creation, right? He uses these lowly people that others would overlook. For God, status isn't what the world tells us it is. See, we wrestle with this idea of of the world, right? I want to highlight some things here. So if this seat is the perspective of the world, this is where you want to sit, according to the places that that we live in, according to our culture, even today, right? 2,000 years later, we still have the same issues. Here is status. Here is authority. Here is the corner office. Here is the nameplate that says boss. Here is the bigger salary, the more prestige, the bigger company. Here is having the perfect family that you can post about on Facebook, even if it's a lie. Here is the reputation. And quite frankly, here is the fear that comes with being authority. But here, This is integrity. What Jesus emphasizes is character, living a good life, living an honest life, living a life that is kind and loving. Jesus emphasizes sitting here means that people look and say, hey, why do you have the hope that you have if you're sitting at the end of the table? Why do you think so lowly of yourself? Buddy, like you're you're impressive, you are influential, let's move you down here. No, 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 I'm humble. This is a place of integrity of character, of moral fortitude. This is hard-earned status. And people look at this spot and say, oh, that's, that's what I want. Here is get rich quick, right? How many podcasts are out there? How many blog posts? How many books? How many TV stations are about getting rich quick? Buy this stock. Invest in this thing. Go join this job. I know people that, that they hated the job that they had, but it made them the right kind of money. That's here. Get rich quick. Here says, how much can you give? Oh, it's very different than there. Here is generosity. There, it's not quite greed, but there's a part of it. This says, how much can you earn? How much can you achieve? How much can you get ahead? This says, how much can you help? How much can you encourage others? This side says, climb over whoever you need to to get to the top of the ladder, to get to the, the, the top rung of whatever organization, whatever PTO, whatever, whatever it is. What, how do you get there here? You have to climb over somebody else. But Jesus says, raise them up. 
In fact, Jesus says, place the poor, the needy, the brokenhearted at that position. Give them the confidence that they need to be successful in the world, to get ahead, to, to finally find a way to, to start moving forward in their life. See, this tension we struggle with in our lives. Now, let me say something loud and clear that, that I want you to hear this. There is nothing inherently sinful about success or even wealth by any means. It is not sinful to be successful. The struggle is your trust, your priority. Why do you do what you do? What is your emphasis in life? Are, are you trying to just get more and more? Because what happens is we start to listen to that voice that says, oh, you, you've got enough. No, 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 no. You need a little bit more. You need a little bit more. You need a bigger car, a fancier car, a bigger house, a fancier house. And we become thirsty for it. We become needy for it. We seek more and more achievement. It's never enough. But it's not sinful on its own to be successful. We, many of us encounter many blessings in our lives. But just think of the rich young ruler, right, who comes to Jesus and he says, I, I basically, I, I'm following your word. What do I need to do to get into heaven? And Jesus says, okay, sell it all. Now, why does he say that? Because what he saw in that rich young ruler who had it all, right? He said, your love is for status and achievement. He saw earning his way into heaven as just another thing to achieve in life. He'd already got the promotion. He'd already got the big paycheck. He'd already gotten the savings account. See, that's the challenge. When you hit tough times, this is how you can tell kind of where you're at is you say, well, we'll be all right. We've got a lot of money in savings account. I've got a good job. We'll be all right. Or do you say we have a powerful God who's on our side? It's a subtle, subtle change, and it's a struggle. It is a struggle. And some of you right now are feeling a bit convicted. I know. Jesus says it's more difficult for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Now, of course, when we're talking about enter into heaven, his salvation is for all. What he's talking about is to know God closer in this world, right? And what he means by that is there is a path that you can do. You can be successful. You can have all the wealth in the world and have the right priorities. It's possible, but it is difficult because here's what happens. Here's why. When you have earned this spot, when you've sat in this spot, suddenly you start to hear those whispers, the whispers of the world that says, this is your spot, nobody else's spot. You've earned this spot. You deserve this spot. You are entitled to this spot. And what that does is it starts to look down at the people down there. You start to look down on them. And if you ever end up in this seat and somebody else is there, you're going, but that's my spot. I, I earned that spot. That's, I'm entitled to that spot. We start to listen to that lie of the world. Humility is a very simple thing to teach, but an incredibly difficult thing to grab hold of. So the question is, in your life, how are you doing? Which seat are you choosing? Do people look at you and say, wow, he's, he's really successful. He really has done well in life. Look at that, that nice car that he drives. Look at that nice boat that he has. Wow, well done. He, he works awful hard and he works a lot and he's not always around, but, but he's achieved a lot. Or do they look at you and say, wow, it's a good guy. He's generous, he's kind, he's loving. 
He is so friendly to the people in his life. Do they look at you and say, wow, she's got a perfect family? Or do they look and say, she's always willing to help out when things get tough? Which seat do you find yourself sitting at? See, the struggle is that the world tells you you need to sit there. The world lies to you and says, this is achievement. This is fulfillment. This is where you'll feel happy. But you're always battling for it. Because there's always somebody else who's trying to scoot down. There's always somebody else who's gunning for your seat, for your achievement, for your success. Who will not going to be rooting for you. Who's not going to be trying to support you. See, we should be supporting each other, raising each other up. The question ultimately is, do you care about others more than yourself? Do you care about others more than yourself? Luckily for us, Jesus did. We see that in the beginning of our gospel reading today, right? You guys thought I was just going to blaze right by that. See, what happens is as he's at this Pharisee's house, the religious leaders, the ones who are throwing fire at him, that are watching him closely, it says, they're waiting for Jesus to stumble because he was causing issues in their religious tradition. So they are watching closely. Suddenly, he is confronted with somebody who needs healing. But it's the Sabbath. And there's some debate about, are you allowed to heal on the Sabbath or are you not? And at this point, this is the third time, according to the Luke account, that he has healed on the Sabbath or worked on the Sabbath. And so they're already kind of looking at him closely, like, what's, what's going on here? So what does he do? He asks them, hey, is it all right to heal on the Sabbath? They don't answer. It's, they don't answer because they don't have an answer. No, no, they have an answer. They don't answer because they want to see what Jesus does. So what does he do? Does he play it safe? Does he protect himself? Does he say, hey, buddy, it's the Sabbath. Just come back tomorrow. It'll be fine. I'll heal you tomorrow. It'll be good. Like, trust me, I got an end with the big guy, right? No, he says, right then, right there, I care, and I am healing you in this moment. This is dangerous for him. This is a great risk for him. He is in front of the very people who will eventually bring him to court. And yet, he cares more about others than himself. As he lived his life, he showed that time and time again as he reached out to the ones that everybody else said are unlovable. He found himself sitting down here. No, no. He found himself sitting at the kids' table with the liars and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the lepers. He found himself not even at the table because that's how much he cared. He could have had it all. Jesus of Nazareth could have had it all. Because even though he stayed on the outskirts, even though he stayed in the wilderness, he gained a massive following. He's feeding thousands of people at a time. He could have been filling stadiums. He could have had his own private jet, his own $10,000 shoes. He could have had his own TV station. But instead, he takes the least seat. Instead of the gilded throne, he takes the old rugged cross. Instead of having it all, he gives it all up so that we can be set free. So that we sitting here 2,000 plus years later can know that we are loved. That's, that's bigger than any seat there. The fact that the almighty, all-powerful God who knows all things still loves us, still loves you, boy, that's bigger than any reputation that anybody's gonna have. That's bigger than however many likes you could get on any Facebook posts. 
The status of being a beloved child of God is what our identity should be founded on, should be the very foundation of who we are. That's where our pride is. That's how we learn to, to boast about not ourselves, but about him. We have hum humility about ourselves. We're humble about who we are, but we are proud as can be about the fact that the almighty God knows us and loves us. And we can share that with all the people sitting on the outside. See, God chose the lesser seat. Thank God that he did. Because it means life for us. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the feast is ready. The table is set. The master, the host, has his seat. Where are you going to sit? Amen.